Welcome back to SwitchCast. Today is June 22nd. It's Wednesday night. That means we are here with you live, unedited, uncensored, in all of our unimperfect glory. I am your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars, Cannonball Run record holder, and I am happy to be here with you. If you'd like to join us, you may post your questions in the comment flow wherever you're watching live. You may call in at 216-294-4124. We are here with you every Wednesday, and we have a new guest each week, uh, except when Sabo comes back. He's not new every week, but uh, our goal is to answer your questions and to, uh, to bring you entertainment and help you on the drive of your life, as we say at the end of each episode. Last week on this show, we talked about, in our props and flops, which happened at the end of the show, we were talking about EVs, electric vehicles, and their inherent issues with the charging network and how that relates to the weaknesses in the existing power grid, as we're definitely experiencing with the heat waves that are happening across the country this week and, and last week. So I mentioned that TVA, which is a federally owned electric utility corporation. I don't know how that works anyway. I think that's kind of a conflict of interest. I don't know how any corporation can be federally owned. You're either government or you're private entity, but that's another rant for another day on another show. Anyway, TVA issued a press release asking people to unplug their appliances, to grill outside, and otherwise to reduce the quality of their lives in order to save power. It's like we're in friggin' Europe. But the one thing they did not request was for people to unplug their EVs. That's right. Well, an employee reached out to us the next day and said that a while ago, in order to entice employees of TVA to purchase EVs, they installed free charging stations on site, as a lot of companies are doing. The day after this specific press release, however, they sent out an email instructing all employees who had EVs plugged into said free charging stations to go outside and unplug them. That's right. I cannot make this stuff up. It is just the glorious truth about why EVs cannot become ubiquitous despite the government's agenda. EVs suck in build quality. They're overpriced. They're a one-trick pony. And yes, I drove a Taycan, Taken, whatever, Taken Your Money Turbo S. Yes, it's fast. Whoop-de-doo, zero to 60 in three seconds. But that's it. They're really, really fast. But speed kills, right? That's what they tell all the cannonballers. Uh, yeah, so speaking of how terrible EVs are, and by association, I guess, hybrids, tonight we have on a guest who set a bunch of cannonball records in a dang hybrid. Yes, a Prius, the scourge of suburban owners and internal combustion lovers everywhere in the stereotypical Wokemobile. Welcome, Jay. <laughs> what brings you to town? Thank you, Doug. Uh, I come to see you, Doug. No, what really brings you to town? <laughs> I had some personal business to take care of in Ohio and thought I'd uh, visit you while I was up here. Awesome. So. Awesome. Yeah, all right. So Jay Roberts uh, has has done two runs in a Prius, Gen, Gen 4. four. Gen 4. Uh, one was on the Musket Ball, which was a race that happened last year. I'm sorry, not a race. It was a... Um, meeting in new york and a meeting in los angeles but a anyway. gathering of friends 
It was limited to 100 horsepower at the wheels, verified by a dyno at the start. And one of the strategies was obviously to find a fuel-efficient car because you couldn't win on horsepower, so you could win on that or aero. So Jay went solo in a Prius and finished in 36 hours and change on that musket ball. Google Maps time is 42 hours for the record. And he also has done the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean nonstop. Correct. One fuel tank. We say nonstop. Not, he didn't stop for fuel. Um, you have to stop at stop signs. But um, And I did both those events within a five-day period. With You did both of them within a five-day period. Uh, so... You haven't set any records, per se, correct? Correct. I don't know. There's so many qualified records that I'm not even sure. Well, you set the Pacific to Atlantic solo in a hybrid nonstop record. Yeah, if you want to call it a record, (laughs) I don't know. You know, I've had some people say, oh, you have the hybrid record or this record, that record. I had fun. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was was a bucket list, something that I wanted to do, and I, I did it and missed a few check marks it was on the list of what i wanted to do but i had a great time and that was the point why in the world do you do it solo um i was in a former job i was a delivery driver for a package delivery company and i'm just accustomed to riding around by myself all day long for hours and hours on end okay and so it was just more comfortable to me to do it alone there's a big difference between riding around on an eight-hour shift and driving 30-plus hours across the country. That Yes, there is a big difference, but uh, it just, I'm the master of my own domain, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, I, I, you, you get me out alone in a car, and I can drive. I'm like a machine, just drive and drive and drive, and not, not hardly stop for anything in done it multiple times across country so what was your uh you kind of came onto the scene in the cannonball and community with these last two runs you're somewhat of a newcomer very much so what is your background with endurance slash long distance driving that led you to this that got you interested in cannonball and and that even said like hey man i can i can do this for 40 hours nonstop. well after i left um, my job as a delivery driver for FedEx and started my small farm I got a side gig making emergency deliveries for a a local company uh, and when they would call me it was a situation where the item had to be there yesterday you know someone messed up on ordering the wrong part or not the right part and they would give me a call and said on a four o'clock at a Thursday and say, Hey Jay, how fast can you be to Montgomery, Alabama? <laughs> how fast can you be to Lebanon, you know, Tennessee? How fast can you be to Minneapolis, Minnesota? And I would load up and go pick up the parts and within twelve, fifteen hours have the part that they needed. A uh, few times I would showed up and it was to a US Coast Guard station. Literally a US Coast Guard ship was not moving until i showed up with this part man and you know mechanics i hope somebody wasn't waiting swimming treading water out in the ocean i I hope not either but when i showed up you know i'm an hour out and they're calling me hey you here yet hey you here yet and it involved you know 
like nine, 10, 12 hours of hard, fast, nonstop driving to get this part there so this U.S. Coast Guard ship can go protect us. That's and pretty awesome. So a few years of that, I developed uh, and, and I used it for training for Cannonball, developed my endurance, you know, figured out what I needed to have in the car, how I needed to take care of myself to do this endurance driving and just built that up over and built my tolerance up over the years. Did you train Jimmy John's drivers? <laughs> they need some training. <laughs> Honestly, the the best commercial I think I've ever heard on the radio is the one where the guy calls Jimmy John's like 18 times to order subs and they knock on the door. I mean, they've compacted the most amount of information possible into a 30 second commercial and the guys knock on the door your sub's here. Sir, your house is on fire. I know. Grab a fire extinguisher. And then the fire department shows up, and they go, why'd you call us? Your house isn't on fire. And he goes, well, it was, but, the, you know, Jimmy John's Jimmy drivers John's put it out. I have missed like those that. commercials. That That's was awesome. a hilarious commercial. I always thought that was a joke, and then I went and ordered a sub at Jimmy John's. <laughs> and, like, by the time I had finished talking, they had my sub made. I was like, holy crap. And I like I was so energized by that speed that I like then tried to make a green light with a U-Haul trailer and tried to do it so quickly that the trailer literally came off my truck in the middle of the intersection because there was the intersection was crowned and I was flying oh. through. I was like Jimmy John's mode, and I lost my trailer in the middle of the intersection. That was a fun two three hours trying to get that sorted. Yeah, no, actually it took like ten minutes. So somehow even though the chains came off too don't ask me how that happened the trailer got wedged underneath my spare tire even though i was cornering through the intersection and so i was able to drag it with the the friction of the spare tire into a parking lot there was a huge dip in the parking lot so i nosed down the truck so that i could get it unstuck lifted it back on and reattached it and it was all done in like 10 minutes well you got very lucky on that one yeah so, and then 10 minutes later it came off again going through a corner in the highway <laughs> i swear <laughs> there was something wrong with that trailer uh that time i couldn't get it back on <laughs> so i called u-haul and said come get your trailer it sucks um and they said please don't ever rent from us again I don't know where I was going with that, but that's yeah. free commercial for Jimmy John. The sub wasn't that good. They were just really friggin' fast. Okay, so um, you went from delivering stuff really fast to cannonballing. What was, had you seen the movie? Had you heard about Irwin Baker, Brock Yates? Like, what was your introduction to that entire culture? Um, my introduction was Vinwicky. So okay. I stumbled across one of, one of Ed's videos and at that moment, I became obsessed with Cannonball. I feel like you're too old for Vin Wiki to have been your influence. Well, probably you're not 16. No, but <laughs> I you just, didn't see the movie in theaters or anything. I did see it in theaters, uh. and I but I had you know it was part of my childhood, but I wasn't obsessed with it until I realized this is a real thing. People actually do this it wasn't just a movie hmm. and and people are still doing yes that and matter. still doing it so i uh i started researching and finding anything i could put my hands on every video 
started looking at the names of people who run it, finding podcasts that they have done. I started looking up the old original Road and Track magazine articles that Brock Yates wrote telling about it. I ordered uh, Brock Yates' book. I ordered uh, uh, Alex Roy's book. I ordered Ed's book. I ordered um, a book called uh, Finding Cannonball's Trails that this uh, motorcycle rider wrote that talks mm-hmm. about finding the original route he took in 1911 when he did it on a motorcycle. That's a very obscure book reference, even within the cannibal it community. It is very obscure. I have a signed copy of it, by the way. But uh, so, and I'm, that's how deep and obsessed I become with it. And it got to the point to where I was like, my wife, what are you doing watching cannibal stuff? Well, why are you watching that? Like, I'm thinking about doing a cannonball. She's like, no, you're not. I was like, okay. <laughs> no, but, uh, but, but here's to all the women in our lives, of all, all us men that do cannonball. Every one of you, bless y'all. So y- y'all how did awesome. you end up getting her permission slash blessing? She knew that if she said no, I would be miserable. Because once I become obsessed with something in the matter that I was obsessed with, I would not let it go. She probably learned that when you started dating her, right? Oh, she, yeah, 20-some years of marriage, she knows me very well. Because <laughs> once you became obsessed with her, you wouldn't let her go, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. How, why, there's, there's a few questions of why. There's many questions of why when it comes to Cannonball. But why, why a Prius? Why did you choose a Prius? Well, when I got to Sean Mason an invite to the musket ball and found out the limitations was 101 horsepower or less at the wheels, I used the car that I already had. That's that's a good start for a cannonball. I mean, it worked for Sean Petter. I mean, he did 28 and a half hours in his diesel Passat. Exactly. And he used the car that he already had. Then drove it to work. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, I didn't know exactly what the horsepower was on the Prius at the wheels. You know, you look up the specs, and it was like 120-some horsepower, you know, net. But at the wheels, I didn't know. Did some Googling and watched some YouTube videos, and I was seeing stuff anywhere from 95 to 105 horsepower on a dyno, depending mm-hmm. on the car. I'm like, depending on the dyno, too. Yeah, and on the dyno. Yep. And so I was like, okay, I'm I'm within the spirit of the event. If I'm over, it's not going to be my much. If I'm under, it's not going to be my much. And it was an interesting story. When they put it on the dyno, Chris Michaels was standing next to me, and he says, what do you think it'll turn on, on the dyno? And I says, I want to be one over 102. And that is exactly what it turned. Why did you want to be one over 102? I didn't want to be. He just asked me for a guess, and I was, <laughs> that was my best guess, that somehow I want to be... Oh. You, knew, you knew there was potential severe penalties for being over 100 horsepower. I didn't know what the penalties were. Yeah. I, I didn't, didn't either. If I had known they were going to be so light, we probably would have yeah, gone I, for broke. But. I thought they would be time penalties. You know, you, you'd lose 10 minutes per horsepower or, or something like that. You right. Know? I didn't know... It was going to be 24-hour lemons, John Vaccara, funny penalties. Oh, I knew that, but that's what scared me is I, I figured they'd be off the chain. Well, at least. You know, you got around 
take your pants off and do a do a dance at every state line or something like that. Yeah, you know, I'd, the live lobster. Yeah, that, that was. I was about to bring that up. You know, the the live lobster was an option till. Uh, yeah, there was a potential that if you were over a hundred horsepower, you had to carry a live lobster from New York to Los Angeles and keep it alive. And if it died. You're disqualified. Oh, and you had to snip the rubber bands off its claws while it was in your vehicle. Mm. You couldn't remember that part of it. Yeah, yeah. It was like, see, you know, live lobster crawling around your feet. Yeah, nobody took that option. Mm. I was disappointed that they gave them options because we were under 100 horsepower. Within the everybody thought Irony and I were going to cheat, and we didn't. In fact, we were so bad at trying not to cheat that instead of coming in at 99 horsepower we came in at like 85 because he ran it on prior to the event so we had a, a honda insight with a tdi swap which we knew was we picked the insight for the aerodynamics and the tdi for the torque because there's no limit on torque and before the event he had it tuned and it was like it was like 180 horsepower so he had to detune it significantly oh, wow. so, so he was trying to dial it in and to exactly 98 99 but enough so we'd have a little margin of error for you know whatever elevation air density whatever dyno we put it on but he has an all-wheel drive dyno at his shop and so he put it on the all-wheel drive dyno but didn't disconnect Ah. the other roller so, so it, that skews it and he that. didn't find this out until we got there so he tuned it to like 98.5 or something like that so so it turned it down to where it was a slug yeah and then it was 86 horsepower so we we tried so hard to be so close and well you didn't have a laptop failed. in the car to adjust things after the dyno no we didn't okay no because there was talk that some of the guys were doing that you know I, maybe I some people personally had that. didn't witness or see it. I <laughs> we talked about honestly, we talked about it. But when I talked to Fakara about the rules of the event, because you know any event with rules, there's like there's rules and then there's wink wink rules, right? Yeah. So racing is all about cheating and how much you can get away with. So he came back with a fairly firm answer of like, if you're asking the question, you're outside of the spirit of the event already. And I said, okay, fine. Like, I mean, that's I don't. Maybe you're coming down a little too harsh on me, but I was asking because so many people are asking and like joking around about cheating. And I'm like, is this a wink, wink, we're all going to cheat event or is this a solid, you can't be over a hundred horsepower. And so once I got that answer, I'm like, all right, cool. We're not going to use the resources at our disposal to cheat better than anybody else. <laughs> we're going to be at a hundred horsepower, but we failed at that. <laughs> Those TDIs would come out of nowhere. That was the crazy thing about that event. Oh. Everyone in a TDI, it's they'd just be they'd come out of nowhere and just be gone. And they after well, we left Darien and finally got on to, to the highway, I'm in the left lane and traffic was heavy and I see this white blur come <laughs> passing behind me allegedly in the median. I you know, may they may have may not have been in a median <laughs> and they were gone. Just yeah. gone. The never saw them again. Never saw them again until California. So, um, okay, so um, they did have penalties though if you were over 100 horsepower, and you were. Oh. And those of you on the audio podcast can't see this, but Jay brought me a four by four square of a Pokemon puzzle as a gift. Now, I hate Pokemon, um, 
So it would seem like a silly gift, but explain why this is significant, Jay. Well, when uh, Mr. Fakar was handing out the penalties, he, uh, on penalty was I had to assemble a puzzle and glue it to the hood of the car. Now, this was at 10 p.m. at night before we were departing at 8 a.m. the next Correct. morning. And, and for, sleep is very important to the preparation of a cannonballer. Very much so. Uh, that puzzle took me an hour to assemble. Fortunately for my case, it being only one horsepower over, it was a 500-piece puzzle. Now, some of the other teams that were you know, 25, 27 horsepower over had like 500 1,000-piece puzzles. So my penalty on the puzzle was much less than now, you theirs. You said yours was a 500. You mean like a 50-piece or 100? These it are big 500, pieces. 500-piece puzzle. These are big pieces, though. Yeah. Yeah, because the Corolla had it all across their hood. Or maybe it was a 100-piece puzzle. I, mean, I think this was a 100-piece okay. puzzle. Yeah, maybe it was a 100-piece puzzle. These looks like the ones like my 6-year-old could do. Yeah, it, it, it took me almost an hour to um, assemble that puzzle and go down with – and he gave us Elmer's glue as well and glue that to the hood of the car. The thing's still sticky. And so, yeah. <laughs> so you had to glue this to the hood of your car before you left – were you how many other people had to do puzzles it was three of us okay all right and how many puzzles made it to the finish line one that one this one this was still on your hood so it withstood a hundred allegedly what was your top alleged speed 115 115 is that like the top speed of a prius on the fourth generation it's electronically limited top speed of 115 um it's to save the electric motors. Um, the electric motors at 115 are turning some uncrazy RPM, you know, 30, 40,000 RPM. And they just simply, it's unsafe for them to go any faster than that. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. You just need another gear. But I was shocked that the puzzle was still attached to the car after almost. 3,000 miles of driving. This podcast is brought to you by Elmer's Glue. <laughs> it's good for 115 miles an hour. That's 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 pretty impressive. All right. Um, did you guys stop for speeding on the musket ball? I got no tickets at all. I didn't ask that. Did you get stopped for speeding? Did I get stopped for speeding? No, I did not get stopped for speeding. Did you get stopped for speeding on your coast-to-coast -coast run? I did I, d I know you did yeah. so i watched a video that you did about your interaction with the law enforcement officer and it was an interesting take on how to deal with them do you mind recounting that for I us i don't mind at all telling you about the um what i still say is the fastest speeding ticket ever given in a musket ball a cannonball style event that's not for the highest speed it's the no. fastest Traffic stop, the it, shortest traffic stop. It was. I uh, will disagree. Well, a warning. David Simpson, when we did the 24-hour the Atlantic to Pacific run, I think it was a three-minute stop with David Simpson, but he did not get a ticket, and he showed him his military card and just smooth-talked the guy like only David Simpson or any other Southerner can. And, yeah, so that was probably the fastest traffic stop. But you got a ticket, right? I did. How long was your total stop? Just over eight minutes. That's impressive. All right, tell us the story. So um, I was coming, uh, traveling um, eastbound on I-10 in West Texas, and I kept getting little hits of instant on radar. 
And I knew it wasn't going to set any speed record or anything like that. So I was like, and every time I got an incident on, I was in a cluster of cars, and they couldn't pick out which one was speeding. I thought, well, something going on here. Let's back it down a little bit. About 30 minutes later, I'm by myself, no cars around me. See one set of headlights come up at me. And they were traveling westbound. They were within three, 400 yards of me. Radar detector goes full tilt. I knew, you know, all the countermeasures in the world, you're not going to defeat instant on radar in right. your face. Yep. There's just there's nothing you could do. So I hit the, uh, let backed off and looked over and I saw the brake lights. They cut across the median, come up behind me, do the usual police thing, you know, uh, tailgate you until they hit the blue lights. I pull over and the female officer, she comes up to the passenger side and she's doing the whole thing of, you know, you know how fast you're going, where you're coming from, where you're going, how long you've been there. And finally, I just looked at her and said, Officer, I said, don't mean you any disrespect, but I'm not going to answer any of your questions. And she looks at me and goes, well, why aren't you going to answer my questions? And I just look at her and give her a smile. And I say, absolutely nothing. And she says, well, okay then, I'll be right back with your ticket. She goes around to the front of the car, and she shines a flashlight on the front bumper. She comes back, and she says, Sir, why don't you have a front license plate on your car? I said, because the state I live in doesn't issue front license plates. And I could see this look of disappointment in her face. <laughs> she was like, I'm going to write him a ticket for no license plates, beating yeah, everything I, else. Side <laughs> note, I've gotten nicked twice, I think, in a different state for not having a front license plate. They didn't issue me a ticket, but they gave me a hard time. And I'm just like, you can't enforce that rule. I'm not yeah. registered in your state. Well, my state don't even issue front license right. plate. So, you know, so she goes back to her car, prints out the ticket, comes back, hands me a clipboard with a pen and my paperwork. I take my license and I sign it. And she's doing the whole cops playing, you know, well, where are you coming from? Where are you going? You know, signing this is not an admission to guilt. Where do you come from? Where do you, you, go? Where do you come yeah. from? Can, yeah, yeah, there you go. And the whole time I'm just signing a ticket and I just hand it to her and I said, I'm not answering any questions. And she asked me three more questions and I said, I've signed a ticket to stop is over. And I leaned a little bit further over towards the pasture side window and she asked me three more questions and I said, ma'am, the stop's over. I've signed the ticket. Can I, am I free to go? She asked me three more questions. And after that third set of questions, by that point, the end of the clipboard was hanging out the window. I just let go of the clipboard. <laughs> it fell on the ground. I looked at her and said, you have a nice day. Be safe out there. Rolled up the window and drove away. <laughs> I probably may have, could have talked my way out of it, but my theory is, that's what lawyers are for. Oh, man. But that ticket ended up costing me $340. And after 90 days of probation, that ticket no longer exists. Except in a judge's file, cat, file cabinet in some county in Texas. That's it. 
But more importantly, it cost you eight minutes. Eight minutes. Off. It did on my Southern Trail run. It cost me eight minutes. That's the only thing we really care about. Yeah. We look at the stop time because we got to stop three times on our Southern Trail run. And that's, that's it. We go, crap, how much time did that cost yeah. us? Was West Texas there? The, the, congrats to those officers in uh, West Texas. It's using instant on radio. Y'all are good. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Two of our stops were in Texas, but on the, the Southern trail run, which is the, for those that don't know, it's the traditional shortest route from the Atlantic to Pacific or Pacific to Atlantic in Jay's case, it's Jacksonville beach to San Diego. So it's not a traditional cannonball route, but it's about 2,400 miles and 800 of those miles are in Texas. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very long period where you're dealing with the same department and there's no state line relief. Mm hmm no reset it's just friggin Texas. during musket ball we saw nobody yeah musket ball was empty <laughs> but, yeah. the and the thing about you know that area of texas is so flat and it's so straight they know if they use constant on radar they'll never pull hardly anybody over yeah and so they use instant on and they they can visually look and see yeah that guy's speeding Yep. And they wait till they, you're just right in front of them. Hit the radar. That is where I will say a co-driver not going solo is a big advantage. If, because the binoculars, you can tell those Texas cops, they've got the white hoods and the black cars. You can see them from a long, long ways away. How does that work at 2 o'clock in the morning? Uh, you have Arnie spotting through the binoculars, oh. and he can see at night. <laughs> okay. No, Seriously. Uh, the the two tickets, the two times we got pulled over in Texas, one was they were sitting on an on ramp, and um, my spotters failed me. I will say I was driving. The second time, uh, they were coming the other way, and I was a spotter and I failed David Simpson. I had put down the binoculars for a few seconds to talk to Arnie in the back seat, and I saw him coming, and I saw the white hood, and I processed it, and I kind of said, hey, David, I uh, probably should slow down. I think that's a ka band. It, it was too late at that, that point. That instant on in-your-face ka band, it, it lifts you about two feet off the seat every time, doesn't it? Yes, every time. SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible, live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, we are broadcasting this show live with our phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. Nathan's Detailing is also a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Nathan's Detailing is a company in Cleveland, Ohio that provides mobile detailing services for individuals and dealerships. They also offer PPF and ceramic coating installations. With over 800 Google reviews and an impressive 4.9 rating, Nathan's Detailing is the go-to shop for all of your detailing and protection needs. With Nathan's Detailing, convenience is key. Their mobile detailing technicians bring the power, water, and supplies to your home or work and detail your car on site. Check out the link in our description for a free interior fabric protection or leather conditioning with your purchase. Nathan's Detailing, this smiles for you. 
We are back with Jay Roberts, Gonzo Prius, the hypermyelin cannonball, as I have nicknamed him. And if you'd like to join us, you can call in live and ask your questions. 216-294-4124. Uh, I know all you Prius owners are listening, and you're going to want to call in and understand how to drive so fast. Um, You can also comment in uh, wherever you're watching live and smooth mark spence well sort of smooth he hasn't shaved in a few days so hello ladies and gentlemen oh that is smooth <laughs> wow smooth is like a, a an attitude a state of mind it has nothing to do with your facial uh <laughs> abrasion i'm actually kind of hairy too so i'm not really that smooth at all uh, yeah. <laughs> TMI. Jay. TMI. Jay. Uh, uh, good thing I already ate dinner. So uh, before the break, we were talking about your experience with a law enforcement official and your ticket in Texas. Um, cannonballers, I've noticed cannonballers have a varied take on law enforcement. Um, some of us are bootlickers in an ironic juxtaposition uh some of us are legitimately trying to stick it to the man i dare say a few are like defund the police you know on that side of things um so it's it it runs the whole gamut of, of cannonballers cannonball in its um you know, the point of Cannonball is not necessarily as Richard Rawlings in some documentary said that Cannonballing is about sticking it to the man, which it's not. It's not fundamentally about police versus people. It's about um, the principle that good drivers in well-prepared cars can travel on the highway at speeds above the speed limit safely. Well, and... Um, Part of that was, uh, it's, it's often overlooked, is some of the cannonballs, the the later ones, uh, 75 and 79, was done as a protest for the mandatory 55-mile-an-hour nationwide speed limit. Correct. You know, that was enforced for, what, 15 years, 12 years? Yep. And so... I think it was longer than that. Well, in some states, it was almost three decades. Yes. It took a long time for that to be repealed, because it was repealed nationally, but then a lot of states kept it kept in place. It. Um, but you think about it. So there was a 70 mile an hour speed limit f- uh, five decades ago. I can't math. When cars had no crumple zones, no airbags, yep. a pillars that you can wrap your fingers around. And now we no have anti lock brakes. No yeah. Adaptive cruise control. None of the early tech technology of radial tires. I, I mean, we've come so far mm-hmm. in technology, both in, in making the roads and in making cars. And yet the speed limits have only in the last couple decades gotten back to what they were 50 years ago. So yes. they've not adapted. Granted, driver training is not adapted at the same level, and we have yeah. other problems with distracted driving. Yeah, but you, you. That, that, in a sense, reinforces our point that focused drivers, that drivers not on their phones paying sole attention to driving, can safely drive well above the speed limit uh, on on highways so it's not necessarily just us versus the police but that is part of the inevitable cat and mouse game of trying to prove our point of trying to do a cannonball of an endurance challenge 
but back to the question kind of a roundabout way so everybody's on the spectrum of we love the cops but we speed anyway or we hate the cops what's your general opinion of law enforcement and you know speed enforcement in general and where do you fall on that spectrum i feel the majority of the enforcement that we're seeing uh, in the united states right now is revenue enhancement they are swatting at flies while the elephants run them over if they was to focus on driving habits texting and driving not using turn signals um going slow in the left lane making unsafe movements if they would focus more on that and less on the speeding as a source of revenue i think overall the conditions would improve do you have any statistics to back that up I have no statistics, just my own experience. You know, when you see, in Ohio, when you see a plane circling overhead and 15 highway patrolmen on a five-mile stretch of road pulling hundreds of motorists over all day long and do that for six, eight hours, they can sit there all day and say it's all about the safety. It's not about safety. It's about money. Fair enough. I've always been curious why there are statistics on speeding but not on left lane blocking yet they're both illegal yes you can't they don't really enforce left lane blocking but it is illegal and every now and then you'll see a department do a public you know public information campaign against it but there's no statistics that say left lane hogging contributes to accidents or deaths or anything so it it leads to road rage it, it could, You've but then you could say, sure, that. but well, but that's the road rager's problem. Why can't you just be content with going the speed limit? I, I mean, that's what every person in the left lane says. Yeah. And Jay, why can't you be content with going the speed limit? Because you're not law enforcement and you're not the hall monitor of this highway. Slower traffic, keep right. It's a big debate. Yeah, it is. And there's no easy it's answers. It's a big debate. And there's no. It's a very heated debate. Yeah. But I just wish they would spend less focus on the speeding and more focus on the things that actually are causing the collisions. What causes the collisions? Distracted drivers. Did you know that statistically it is actually not distracted driving? No. I did not know that. I I would like to say that it was. Now, granted, it may be difficult to measure because people may not admit that they were looking at their phones or they may not be able to tell what was happening before the accidents but on a statistical basis distracted driving at least the statistics i read which are a little bit outdated but still since the advent of the cell phones the majority of it is driver error it's failure to yield it's improper lane changes it is essentially just driver error now a lot of that could be driver error because they, they were, were distracted, distracted and looking at their sense. phones. But as far as the actual statistics go, as much as we like to say, oh, the problem is people are on their phones all the time, the statistics themselves do not support that. Mm. Now, the statistics may be skewed as well because the, let's see, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety is primarily paid for by, those studies are paid for by insurance companies. It's a biased study because insurance companies profit off of being able to raise people's rates. Because they got a speeding ticket. You raise people's rates because they got a speeding ticket, right? So you say they're higher risk. 
there's no correlation between people having speeding tickets and people actually being a higher risk, but that allows the companies to raise the rates. And if they can raise the rates on people that aren't actually a higher risk, that increases their bottom line. So if they can publish these studies that say speeders are more dangerous, they can raise their rates, increase their bottom line without actually raising the rates on people that are a higher risk. I got you. Something yeah. to think about. It is. What is your... So you cannonball a Prius. There's a stereotypical... I mean, when any guy with high-octane gasoline running through his blood thinks of a Prius that the hair on their back raises up because they know they're always in the way. They're always virtue signaling, but rarely actually turn signaling. Are they always in your way or is it just confirmation bias? (laughs) Damn it. All right. I got you, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I think they are always in my way. Well, everybody's always in my way because I don't drive the speed limit, but uh, what is your opinion of other Prius drivers? Do you think it's a conflict that you're using the sterical, stereotypical left lane hogger vehicle to do exactly the opposite? I'm, I don't think there's a conflict there. Um, I think when the Prius first come out, and I still to this day, many people don't understand the car, how it works, how it functions, you know, and... The green, the environmental group, grab the hold of it is, like you say, virtue signaling. I drive a Prius. I care for the environment. I'm better than you. And some people did that, and that got blown up. But now, look at the hybrids that's out here on the road. You know, you know, the Prius was the first one, so it gets the bulk of the hate. You don't see people branding about the uh, uh, the Honda hybrids, the the Hyundai hybrids, uh, does Porsche have hybrids now? Yes, they do, don't they? Mm-hmm. You don't see them ranting about them. They still pile the hate on the Prius because it's confirmation bias. Well, I think it's also because the Prius mm. is distinctively styled. Mm. Yeah. That's my nice way of putting it. Yeah. People do hate on the Tahoe hybrid, though. Well, the Tahoe hybrid <laughs> is just stupid. Yeah, I agree it's with like that. It's like eight grand extra for one mile per gallon better or something <laughs> yeah, silly yeah. like that. Yeah, it's why bother? That's a status. That's a friggin' virtue signal. Yeah. And, and, but, yeah. you know, I. And they're have, all broken now. There's been a few rare cases where I've actually seen someone in a Prius doing the stereotypical stuff, and I've. Rolled down, pulled up beside him, rolled down my window and yelled at them. <laughs> tell me what happened. Tell them what happened with that one. <clears throat> so it was actually on the Southern Trail Ride, and I'm coming through. I, it hadn't got dark yet. But I think it was in New Mexico, Arizona. And it was a car the exact same color, make, and model as mine. And I could see them miles ahead. They were in the left-hand lane just poking along. And so I pull up beside him, I beep the horn, roll down the window, start waving at him, smiling. You know, it's like, hey, your car's the same as mine. They roll down the window, and I just yell at them, get the blank out of the left lane. He took <laughs> off. <laughs> it's stupid. They thought I was being friendly. Hey, you got a car just like mine. Oh, my gosh. And I went on, and they got out of the left lane thankfully so so why do you own a prius i'm cheap <laughs> i'm i'm frugal um i used to to be 
one of those people that like, there's no way I'll drive a Prius. There's no way I'll be a Prius. And you know, had some experience with one later, and I'm like, this car's neat. It intrigued me. I I like the technology. I like the 50 miles to the gallon, and so I went and bought a used one. And then my wife went and bought one. I recently bought a third one. <laughs> you know, um, dollar for you dollar. Have your own Prius club. Yes. Dollar for dollar, mile for mile, it's one of the lowest cost to owner own vehicles out there. Hmm. Other than a Corvette C5. I bet, you, I bet you that a Corvette C5 and a Toyota Prius... If you own both of them for 50,000 miles, they'd be darn similar in overall which cost en- of ownership. Which engine does the C5 LT1? LS1. LS1, okay. Yeah. Well, 30-ish I- miles a gallon on the highway, very low coefficient of drag. I think it's a .29 coefficient of drag. What's the CD on a Prius? .2526, Okay, like so better. Yeah. Um, and they don't depreciate. They never break. It's an LS. I... I, I bet they'd be close. You know, I, I, well, for all you that think I'm, you know, Prius fanboy and everything, I also own a 1996 Impala Supersport. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you know, really I'm not, slow, I'm not all awesome muscle car. I'm not all hybrids all the time. I do, do, do have a nice car. The hybrid, was, the Prius is your carbon offset for the <laughs> Impala. Well, the Impala gets. 26, 27 miles to the gallon. So I'll know. always remember what? this. Yes. That boat? <laughs> hmm? All right. Color Years ago, surprised. Car and Driver did an article with a bunch of hybrids, yeah. and they threw a C6 in there. Yeah. Yeah. To do a test, to do a testing and stuff, and it came in like second or third. Yeah, I, what did I tell you? <laughs> it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. What did I tell you? It was back in like the late two thousands. Corvette but has got to be I'll one always of the lowest that cost article. of ownership cars overall. It's a three fifty Chevy. You, well, efficient, reliable, what slippery. Is, what, what a set of tires cost on a C5? Depends. Okay. If you're a typical Corvette owner, you never replace them. <laughs> so they cost not, And you never change the oil either. Because I, I know on my Impala, you know, it's got, it's got factory 17s on it. It's, what, 800000 bucks for a set of BF Goodrich? Yeah, I mean, know? the Corvette C5 is 18 and 19 staggered, so they're a little more. But, okay. I mean... Cheap out. I can get a set of Michelins on a Prius or four hundred bucks. Yeah, so you know, yeah, I don't know. So stuff like that. But I bet the Corvette like depreciates less. Be, be I, we should we should do this test. That, I'm, I'm down for it. All right, but but anyway, that's why I have them because I drive. Wife and I we travel a lot. Um, you know, when I did the the musket ball in the car, it was what November. Car had ninety five thousand miles on it. It's got 118, almost 119,000 on it today. That shows you how much we drive it. Right. You that's know? awesome. And so that's, we drive so much, that's why we keep getting with the Prius, because they're just a lot cheaper to, we, we just drove it to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and back in May. Hmm. You know, when the gas prices started hitting $4 a gallon, cost us, I don't know, four or 500 in gas versus what a thousand dollars if we normal car normal yeah. car all right so all right Devin from indianapolis <clears throat> is on the line Devin, how's it going hey, how you doing Doug? good um i actually got a question i guess you jay or mark could probably answer this yeah uh, so 
I brought the idea. You have to refer to him back. as Smooth Mark. Mark Spence's beard. That too. Now, um, so I brought the idea to the wife a while back about wanting to do a cannonball just to kind of check it off the bucket list. And I'm not trying to break a record or anything. I just kind of want to beat uh, the Dan Gurney Brock Yates record of 35 and change. It's a good goal. How would one go about prepping to do the cross country run? Like, what equipment would I need in the car? Uh, how much time should I expect to take off of work? You said you're, uh, you and the wife were talking. Are you doing it with your wife? Oh, dear God, no. Okay, I was going to say a prenup would be ideal prep for that, but definitely. Um, okay. No, she finally warmed up to the idea. <laughs> that. That's that's the first step. It is. Yes. It's a big Prepping first step. Um, uh, what kind of car do you have? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I'd probably pick something up specifically for it. All right. I'd, um, Can I recommend a, a Corvette C5? Yeah. There's a lot of prep. So there's... There's vehicular prep, doing your research and picking the right car, making sure the car is reliable, all the consumables are done, all the potential wear items and failure points are addressed preemptively. Um, so there's all the preventive maintenance, um, researching the route, researching the weather, um, and you know the psychological prep of, can I do this? How am I gonna do it? Fuel stops your drive plan, when you're going to go, uh, it, it runs the whole gamut. So. Your, your caloric intake on the route, do you yep. have enough water? You know, on my run, I took a case and a half of water. When I got done, I had like five or six bottles left. I was drinking a bottle of water every hour. How are you going to piss all that water out? Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, it's kind of like you break it up into categories, and, and you have those categories and and as you go you as you do your research you find out more things and honestly kind of some of the best prep is doing a run because the only way to find out what you missed is by going and doing it and then you say oh well shoot i should have thought of this i i a firm believer that your first run should be in a rental ball rental car yeah yeah that's that's okay. that's good you, advice you, you have no big maintenance costs you got great insurance coverage. Just go run a car, grab a couple people, hop in it, and go. I agree with that because then you don't have the disappointment factor of I did all this work on my car and then I screwed up the fuel venting system and I had to turn around halfway. Yep. And it's I, I actually remember reading in Alex Roy's book, one of his runs, uh, what his fuel pump quit like an, uh, 100 miles from the finish. Yeah. It, was, it was a little bit further away than that. Yeah, but yeah maybe I'm, a thousand miles. But it was yeah, like it was in a, Oklahoma fuel, or something. Fuel yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah, but I mean, it's a fuel filter. Something stupid. Mm -hmm. I don't know of any rental car that is not finished. Do yeah. you? Mm. No, no, I don't. Yeah. No. You know, this Steve Brown's story looking at the moon, that <laughs> rental car. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. But that was the rental car to no, but save that, that him. saved him. Yeah. And I've had a rental car that saved me from Alter Beige. And we've all finished in rental cars that we didn't start it in yeah but nobody started in a car nobody started in a rental car and not finished it yeah you know i mean i learned some things on my run in the musket ball that i would do differently 
and for a first run you know, your least of least your path of least resistance is going to be a run a car go run a car doesn't matter what it is and we look at what what uh um chris and ed did it in the the was it toyota yaris with a, a cvt corolla. a corolla you know and they did yeah. what 33 hours or yeah. something in a rental car yeah well and there's multiple <laughs> sub 32 hour runs in rental cars yeah exactly thir- multiple sub 33s and one sub 32 hour run in a rental car yeah and fast runs yeah and gas insurance the car rental what thousand fifteen hundred bucks and yeah you, and when you get there you don't even have to wash the car you pull it in you hand them the key said thank you and you fly home <laughs> that's it uh, i I've got some stories about rental cars, but that's for a different time. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, I didn't even now, you, now you can have another story about a rental car. Yeah, so, but since you don't have Get a specific... Get the full insurance. My, my take on that I was since you don't have a... But since you don't have a specific car and don't already own a car and you want to make your first run, that would be my recommendation. Let's go rent a car. Make a run and have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can like learn... Not even, going for the, not even going for the 35 on that first run just to... Do the distance. I mean, you can if you want. Hours, it, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with a goal. Uh, yeah. It's uh, there have been multiple sub 35 hour um, runs. Uh, the the key thing I'll say with any run is know when to stop and know what your risk calculation is. Because yeah. if you're blindly going for some time, and that time is is paramount in your head, then that's when things become dangerous. Uh, Jay's stop to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all backed off in certain situations because at the beginning I know at least I tell Arnie and Arnie tells me we say nothing is more important than getting there safely exactly there is no number no record that's more important than anything else Um, so go for the number by all means but make that secondary do it smartly do it wisely and and if you get tired or if you feel you're being unsafe or something just doesn't feel right including the car you just say hey this ain't worth it and and i'll i'll try again another time all right cool um i think that's about it for questions for me good well thank you devin appreciate the call all right, thank you. Have a good one. Best of luck on your run. Let us know how it goes. Um, yes, sir. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. All right. If you would like to join us and ask Jay or myself or Smooth Mark your questions, you can call in at 216-294-4124. You can also post your comments in the comment flow of wherever you are watching live. And as soon as we come back from this commercial break, we will get to some of those questions from our users. This podcast is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, The Office, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. That fly is getting dangerously close to my whiskey. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. Again, that's CelebrityMachines.com discount code SWITCHCAST. 
found a new coaster, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this this doesn't work as a well, cover here, for my whiskey. Well, There's here. holes in well, it. Use, use oh, that, yeah. I'll use the puzzle piece. There we go. I'm going to get glue in my whiskey now. Um, all right. It, we have a question of the week to start off our, our listener questions. The question of the week is brought to you by Nuts for Sticks. Nutsforsticks.com is a sweet merchandise website where you can get dad joke and other inspired uh, t-shirts and stickers like this one I'm wearing, which is Keep Your Woman But Switch Cars. That's our most popular one. Uh, use discount code SWITCHCAST to get 10% off your merchandise order. Again, that's nutsforsticks.com. Use discount code SWITCHCAST. So the question of the week, as usual, we'll get a free T-shirt from the Nuts for Sticks gearbox, as we call it. The question of the week is from Ryan Holio. I drive between Illinois and Arizona quite a bit. My biggest question is, how do you do a cross-country trip without stopping? I get terrible highway hypnosis. I don't do drugs. I, <laughs> does that really need to be said? No. I, it, it, I, if, if, if you do drugs and want to do a cannonball, stay home. That's that's a whole nother problem. Yeah. Um, I don't drink alcohol while I'm doing cannonball. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, I don't do drugs and I don't really drink coffee. Uh, you could make a good Mormon. I found one thing that works a bit, but I'm interested in what Jay does. Well, you know, the old phrase, it takes a village. If you're doing a solo cannonball run, it indeed takes a village. Um, I had a team of virtual spotters um, that I developed over a year there. Most of them are watching now. Hi, guys. Thanks again. Um, Every hour on the hour, an alarm went off on my phone. And I was giving them telemetry data, the odometer reading, the fuel economy reading, and they were building spreadsheets for me. Then my wife put together what I call the friends and family plan. Every couple of hours, someone would call me. Now, my sister, my, some friends, my wife's friends, they would call me on the phone, put them on voice chat, and just, hey, how you doing? And they would ask me questions, cheer me up. And it would help keep me alert and awake. And it got to the point where I was looking forward to those calls. I was looking forward to that hour alarm going off so I could give them my telemetry data and keep everything going. And so do things to keep your focus but distract you just enough to keep your interest and keep you awake. How did you send that telemetry data? Were you texting while you were driving? A voice chat. Okay. Yeah, text to voice. Voice right. to text, however you say it. Had everything hooked up to Bluetooth? I, I could just, well, my phone's off. I'd just say, hey, Siri. All right. Cool. Cool. Siri had no idea she was your co-driver. No, she was. She's a great co-driver. So <laughs> she, she didn't distract me at all. Didn't start singing weird songs off in the background. Playing, uh, what is it? What is it? The, the song you. Oh, Dancing Queen. Dancing Queen. Yes. Didn't start randomly playing Dancing Queen. Uh, wake me Do up. Do you play music? When you're driving? I do. It was just background music, unless this one certain song come on. Which is? Um, I listen to the Cake channel on Pandora. <laughs> and so when Going the Distance come on, it got, yes. cranked, it got cranked at full volume the whole time. She's going the distance. Yes. She's going for speed. Exactly. Yes, that's a good, 
that's a good driving yeah, song. So that was my cannonball theme song, and it would come on, and I'd turn it back down where I could just barely hear it in the background. Did you know it. there's a song, uh, this is a very obscure reference, that like ever. I don't think anybody in the musical world that knows the songs that exists knows about Cannonball and vice versa. Um, Johnny Highland, have you ever heard of him? Never he's heard He's a him. bluegrass guitarist down in Nashville. I think he's actually from Maine, which is why I know about him. Because if people didn't know, I'm from Maine. Never mentioned that before. Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> Cannonball Shuffle is one of his songs. I'll have to look that up. It's a good song. Okay. As not, I don't know what the frick it has is to do with Cannonball. Is it better than Dancing Queen? It is. Okay. It is. I don't actually like the song Dancing Queen, but Cannonball Shuffle is a good song. Yeah. I have it on my uh, my practice Maybe you should reach out to him and see if you can make it a theme song for your, opening your podcast. I should. Ethan, can you get on that? Yeah. See if you can get rights to it. That you would know? Be, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I can play less than fifteen seconds of it, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's a, it's a. There's no lyrics to it. I don't think so. That would work perfectly. I gotta do that. Have your band cover it. Do you have people? No, that, uh, we're not that type of band. We're not bluegrass. All right, uh, smooth, Mark. Do I have people? What? Yeah, smooth, Mark. Go <laughs> ahead. What do we got? First question is from Tyler to John. Dijon, whatever. Why not use an insight? Well, Arnie and I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I used the car that I had. Um, I I think a a uh, insight with an engine swap would be a great part car to cannonball in. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't break, you know. I mean, like like yours with the diesel. Would you had to stop? Maybe what was it? What was your plan stop? Well, so, I th I think three stop, three gas stops. We had a small fuel tank. Yeah, we had a twenty gallon fuel cell, yeah. if that. Yeah. And so, you know, very but my concern was I wanted less weight and more fuel stops, rather than the extra weight. That makes makes sense. Well, you know, if you did it solo, it'd be even less weight. Right. How so. many? How much fuel did you have in yours? Uh, I had sixty four gallons worth of auxiliary fuel. <laughs> So I had two thirty. Wait, sixty four plus the regular tanks. Yes. So I had uh, oh. seventy five, seventy six gallons total fuel capacity. That's more than we had in that gas guzzling E sixty three. So well, my plan was to do it uh, uh, without stopping for gas, but I um, uh, greatly underestimated the fuel economy of a Prius. It allegedly. North of 110 miles an hour. Yeah, so you said the economy drops off significantly above 110. It does. You know, at 90 to 100, allegedly it'll get 40, 42 miles to the gallon. That's pretty good. Yes. When That's you, pretty good. At 110, it gets 20, 22. But what people don't realize, and, and I don't think they realize no matter how many times I say this, is you have to be driving, you have to be averaging... 100 miles an hour all the time in order to have a final average of around 80. Exactly. So it's not like you can, oh, yeah, I can drive 80 and I'll get 40 miles a gallon. No, no. You, you have to drive 100 plus mm -hmm. to average 80. Exactly. And, you know, like you was talking the times earlier, you know, anyone that's done a sub 35 hour time, you know, you, I mean, you know, the 25 hours, yeah, 39 minutes, that's phenomenal but 
to go out and do a sub 35 hour is highly respectable and you get down to 33 32 now you're into 85 86 87 mile an hour average speed you have to be running 120 plus for extended amount of time to get that 85 87 mile an hour average yep and at that point fuel economy goes out the window it does yep all right smooth mark back to you oh the next question is from jeremiah johnson what was your average mpg on your runs we're just you kind of just talking about yeah um on the musket ball the connecticut to los angeles it was 32 miles to the gallon so on the uh the southern trail the san diego to jacksonville i got 41 i think we got 35 in the insight with the tdi swap yeah yeah that's phenomenal yeah and And we're pushing it pretty hard some of the other guys that were in TDIs on a musket ball were in the mid-30s territory, and they actually got, some of them got better fuel economy in the TDI than I did in the Prius. Interesting. So. It, it kind of disappoints me that we didn't get better than that, though, because we picked the Insight specifically because of the low coefficient of drag. So we were thinking, like, oh, we're going to get, like, 40. But I, I, maybe I remember wrong. Maybe we did get 40, but I seem to remember we got mid-30s. So. The next question is from Jason Adkins of Nightmare Cars. Jay, what is it like to drive a Toyota camper across the state with half the brakes not working? <laughs> it was uh, uh, only question. only a quarter of the brakes not working, and it was uh, from the Kentucky-Illinois <laughs> line to North Carolina, so it was a lot more than half the state. So uh, it pulled to the one side every time yeah, it breaks? Yeah, I'll try to make this as brief as I can. On our get-together in... Uh, in Indianapolis uh, a few weeks ago. Backyard 400. Yes. the uh, I drove my old 1986 uh, Toyota Winnebago up there and camped out in Travis Bell's backyard and had a great time. Yep. Corner marshalling. Yes. It yep. was wonderful. And on the way back, I was uh, taking a two-lane back road, just crossed the Ohio River into, uh, from Indiana into Kentucky, hit the brakes, and the brake pedal went to the floor fantastic reached over grabbed the parking brake you know the weird toyota handle on the dash you pull pulled it out nothing so where i was uh, located it took about four or five miles of limping along just to find a place to pull over and brake fluid was just pouring out of the rear drum on the inside of the tire so i got a bad wheel cylinder luckily a couple miles up the road was a uh, dollar general in the middle of nowhere go figure <laughs> got some brake fluid there 10 miles up the road was an auto parts store went in said hey can you get this wheel cylinder for me and said i'll be here in a couple hours great ordered it went outside jacked up the the rear took the tires off pulled the drum off and brake parts just fell on the ground bent twisted brake pedals stretch springs broken all kinds of stuff and i'm sitting here looking at it going again yeah, no, our wheel cylinder is not going to fix this there's no way <clears throat> actually called jason for some advice and he said it this could work so um i cleaned Cr- everything crimp up. off the, the brake line That's exactly what i did <laughs> yes. exactly what i did <laughs> i cl- removed all the parts Put the drum back on with no part pads in it. Went underneath the, the scar, 
cut the brake line, took some pliers, folded it up, took a hammer and used the rear axle housing as the anvil and hammered about a foot of the brake line flat, bled the brakes on the uh, other three working brakes and drove 500 miles home. <laughs> it was... Uh, my wife was a lot more worried about it than I, I was. Could drive five hundred miles <laughs> on three brakes. <laughs> so. Oh gosh, that, so. I mean the the best line of that of is, this could work. Yes, <laughs> it, it. This could be red. <laughs> this could work. Yeah, but uh, oh gosh. So uh, one of the reasons we all love Jay, right? So he's fairly new to the cannonball community, but within. I think within any community, there are people who are um, uh, there are people who are magnanimous, and there are people who are just selfless. And especially in a cannonball community where there's a lot of egos, and I, I, I mean, I don't exclude myself from that group. Jokes have been made about um, the size of my ego being compared to continents, but um, it, it's competitive by nature. Um, and even the generosity sometimes is is not genuine. It's not genuine erosity. Mm. That's a Michael Scottism for you. Um, Jay and a few others have, in my opinion, set themselves art apart as being selfless. And one of the things he did that I thought was really cool is he brought this 1986 Toyota RV pickup RV. Mm down to the Southern Classic, which is Taylor Hall's run, which is uh, a recreation of the Burt Reynolds Bandit run from um, from Lakewood Stadium to Texarkana and back in order to pick up Coors. And in, he didn't run the race, but he brought this RV down uh, because typically when you start and finish in the parking lot to the Lakewood Amphitheater, there's nobody there, just like any cannonball. It's a very, very lonely celebratory event. You're jumping around and cheering and spraying beer in your own face because there's nobody else to do it for you. So he brought the RV down and had cold drinks and a timer and verified people start and finish and handed them a beer and took their pictures and just in general was there to encourage them and be a finish point for everybody. So there was something there when they arrived. And I thought that was really, really cool. And it, I mean, whatever, he's getting all the glory now because yeah, he's that, on the podcast. Well, the, you know, yeah, but, but you weren't out there in 20-degree cold in this old drafty RV with <laughs> two heaters running, wrapped up in three coats, freezing your butt off, watching snowfall in Atlanta, of all places, and waiting for guys to come in and punch the time clock. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Well, but at least but, there, was, there was something. Yeah, that's right. You brought a, an old-school time clock. So yeah. uh, the original Cannonballs from Red Ball to Portofino. They had a time clock at the Red Ball and a time clock yeah. at the Portofino, and that was how they verified their time. So that was that was pretty cool. But I had a front row seat to everything, that which was doing that, yeah. which was a unique experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But you sat in a parking lot all day, and it's a whole different thing of tailgating. Maybe someday this will become such a cult event that people will actually tailgate, but it's at that point that we'll actually shut it down. Yeah, because, that'll be 79 Cannonball all over again. Right. We don't want to go there. Right. <laughs> Right. Uh, Blue32, this is the best comment. I love this. The real challenge 
in this whole thing is driving a Prius for that long without intentionally crashing it so that you don't have to be driving a Prius anymore. Well, Blue 32, <laughs> I just have one question for you. What was your first car you ever owned? I want to guess it was a Pinto. Enough said. <laughs> Back to you, Smooth Mark. Uh, next question is from Brett Stevens. In your daily driving, do you respect the speed limits, or are you more of a rough suggestion? Rough suggestion with a caveat. Um, if you're daily driving and going over the speed limit and don't have countermeasures, just don't speed. Or skills. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be texting on your phone, making a phone call, even voice chat, don't speed. But, yeah, it's... Um, it's a general rule, and I've seen it all over the country, everywhere I've driven. If you're, you know, no more than five to ten over, and you're not acting like an idiot, they're gonna leave you alone. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, Mason asked, "Was the suspension on the Prius modified at all to handle the additional weight of the sixty-four gallons of fuel?" It was. It was. Mason, it uh, was my uh, roommate in the RV at the uh, oh. at the backyard floor. Yeah, I gave nice. him, gave him a place to stay. So, yeah. so thank thanks for the question, Mason. There was we put your ice cream we put our ice cream in your freezer. You too. did. Your wife yeah. was surprised. Of like, well, this stuff is going to melt. Put it in my freezer. She's like, well, you have a freezer? Like, yeah, ice cream over here. Yes. <laughs> it, yeah. So, but. Um, there was that's not a pickup line, Mark. You don't go up to a girl and say, "Hey, can I put your my ice cream in your freezer?" We literally bought ice cream. And I feel it like it freezer. might work though. <sighs> Chill you, out. You need Mark. to adopt Chill that, out. Mark. You need to give it a try. It is summertime. You what up, to... girl? Can I put my ice cream in your freezer <laughs> for the rest of your life? I hope you have a really big freezer. <laughs> I'm gonna put my ice cream in it. <laughs> okay. But, on. but anyway, back to Mason's question. Um, the there was a slight modification to the suspension. Yes. I put uh, Firestone helper airbags in the rear cool springs. There you go. To help, you know, offset the extra weight in the back, which created uh, an additional problem later that I had to correct on the fuel stop in Colorado. When the tanks were near empty, it raised the back end up, which lowered the headlights down and ah. gave and decreased my line of sight at night. So when I put the two nozzles in the tanks in the back in Colorado was filling them up I reached underneath and hit the valves and left let about 15 of the 30 pounds of pressure in the bags out just so I could raise those headlights up and get more line of sight driving at night and that was something I didn't think about when I was doing the run that that would actually happen hmm. that it would limit my sight distance at night that's something that a Mercedes specialty shop didn't think about either when they installed lowering springs on my car and charged me $800 to do so. And they didn't aim my headlights as part of that friggin' ripoff. <sighs> okay, Mark, back to you. Yep. Uh, where's it at? There it is. That's actually from Jason Atkins to me. Mark, what's it like to drive an old Citroen through L.A. gridlock on highway? LOL. Uh, no inside oh, jokes. Uh, D. D. Jealous asked. Ah. Nope. 
Never mind. Skipping that question. He was asking about an ideal engine and battery size type combination that led to your choice. You've already answered that because you just bought a car to, to do what you needed it to do, and then you cannonballed it. Yeah. Um, DE4N19 asked, what type of engine is in the car? Uh, it's a it's a Atkinson cycle engine, 1.8 liter. I believe the engine by itself is rated at like 90. 598 horsepower the electric motors are rated at 30 some horsepower so is it torquey because of the electric motors does it have some get up and go it you can really feel it when the electric motors kick in so yes you know the atkins can cycle engine is not very torquey at all by itself uh, so you said it's electronically limited to 115 miles an hour mm -hmm. does it fall off close to that or if the electronic limiter was removed do you think it would go faster it doesn't fall off at all okay I mean, is it a cvt or a regular transmission it's, a, it's kind of a cvt that's hard to explain the, the electric motors and gears it it has one gear okay you know okay all right so it's it's not a manual so it's no the only thing you need to explain is that it sucks yeah it's it's it doesn't sound like it's like riding behind your but, car today. But, yeah. but yeah, but you're you're not running out of gear and you're not running out of power. So if you delimited it, that could be a reasonably formidable Econobox cannonball car. It could, but here's the catch: if you delimit it, you're going to consume the battery power even more. If say oh, I, that's right. Say I bump the limit from 115 to 125. I, if the car is capable of going that speed, you're going to consume the electric the the battery storage much much quicker right and so it kind of becomes well and you pointless. said something about the the revs as well they they limit it to 115 because they don't want you to kill the electric motor because it's tacking out yes exactly the rpms of the electric motor at 115 are spinning at some crazy 20 30 40 thousand rpm to go any faster than that is going the electric motors in the transmission will explode gotcha Okay. You know, so it's safety. So the real answer is to sell it and buy a Mercedes AMG. Yes. Yes. Smooth. Or, or I could go slower and buy a Porsche 914. <laughs> yeah. Did anybody in the original Cannonballs use a 914? I don't. I don't think they did. There was a bunch of 911s and 928s. There was like RX7s and stuff like that, but I don't yeah, think there were 914. There was even an RX2 rotary yep. did it. Uh, there's you know, been some some crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mark, what you got? I'm out of, que I'm okay. out of questions. Yomo Yomo Rosso Rosso asked: Is a human being capable of even surviving the thrilling nature of such a vehicle for that long of a time? Is it any more or less thrilling than driving a Suburban full of four kids cross-country? There's a good point there because an E63 AMG is thrilling for a moment, but when you're driving across country, nothing's thrilling. No, it isn't. Like people always ask about, like, well, how do you stay awake? It must be the adrenaline. I'm like, adrenaline doesn't last that long. It's the focus. It's the, the drive, you know. Yeah, it's some people bash on the Prius. I saw a few of his comments, and it's, it's just don't buy a Prius. They're just jealous, but don't, Jay. But don't hate on them either. It's just another car that you know does what works for me. If you like, 
If you like Porsches and you're happy with Porsches, buy Porsches. I, I like going from point A to point B and using the least amount of gas as I can. <laughs> so, The D69 asked, and this is the ubiquitous eternal cannonball question. Why? Alex Roy, I think, put it best in his book. And he was dealing with renting the hind cars and going to the tracks and, you know, people with their Ferraris and Lamborghinis and high-end Porsches. And they were just show cars for them. They just drove them around and said, look at me. But Alex Roy said it's not the car. It's what you do with it. Any car can be a boring car. So yeah. I turned a boring car into something I had fun with had excitement with that's true the most notable runs other than the overall times are rental cars probably steve brown's saturn run yeah steve brown's pickup truck run yeah your prius run um uh yummy's honda odyssey run at 31 and a half hours yeah uh the diesel passat because it was his daily driver like it's uh it's all the the normal cars a, that, a that rented Corolla that it's with a not CVT. about yeah. a crap ton of money and a crap ton of prep to do a fast time. You may need that as as kind of the the ace in the hole to get that last bit to get the record time. But you can go out and set a really really fast time with a normal car if you have the proper prep and the right team, and the right mentality. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's exactly right. It's it's you know it's. Like Alex Roy said, it's not the car. It's what you do with it. Yeah. Give us a, a quick recap. So your two runs on average speed, distance, and overall time. Um, on the musket ball, it was uh, 2,912 miles uh, total distance. With a big detour. With a big detour. Yep. Um, I was on track to be in 33 and change until the uh, the – uh tractor trailer accident in colorado caused a what ended up being almost a three-hour delay yep you know 48 miles on a two-lane rocky mountain road buying tractor trailers doing 10 20 miles an hour uphill and then uh there was a wreck on i-15 i had to detour through downtown vegas to get on 40 golly so yeah that two detours and you still ended up what was your time? On? 36 hours, 55 minutes. And 2,900 miles. Yes. That is very respectful. Um, I got 32 and a half miles to the gallon. Um, my average speed, my total stop time was 47, 48 minutes. 38 of that was sitting in in that wreck. Because you only had one fuel stop. And that, that one fuel stop. And those yep. were my only two stops. Yep. Yep. So what was your overall average? Uh, 79.8, That's pretty impressive. You know, almost 80 miles an hour. Yeah. People people do not understand how hard it is. They say, well, I went on a family vacation. Yeah, we averaged 80 miles an hour. No, you had the cruise set at 80. Yeah. You averaged 58. Up to the point of that, that wreck in Colorado, my average speed had just broke 87 miles an hour. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for context, Alex Roy, who was the first person to set the record in 30 years when he did it in 2006, his average was a hair over 90 miles an hour. Right. And that was with 
extensive prep, spotter planes, a quarter of a million dollars spent, a yeah. 400 horsepower BMW M5. Like that was pulling all the stops out and he was slightly over 90 miles an hour. And so to do anything close to 80 or, or high 80s in a Prius is yeah. awesome. There was allegedly there was a uh, four hour window on that run where I drove 430, 440 miles in four hours in a Prius. So there you go. So how's that? There you go. Uh, and then your Southern Trail Run, the Pacific to Atlantic Ocean, which is the um, Pacific to Atlantic solo uh, hybrid nonstop world record. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's what's the doing it with green shoes and bare or what's the right. barefoot record? I don't know. Yeah. Twenty twenty three hundred sixty miles, give or take. You're right, and I uh, did it in just over thirty hours. Nice. So my total stop time was thirty some minutes, eight minutes for the uh, uh, ticket in West Texas, and then I stopped for what I soon to dub a safety nap in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So I was um, just across the Louisiana border, and tired hit me pretty bad. And I was about to make a pass on a tractor trailer, and my eyes went blurry, and I saw two of them. And I could not tell if it was in the left lane <coughs> or the right lane. So I used the adaptive cruise control and just followed it. Saw an exit and a Cracker Barrel sign. Took the exit. Made two rights into the Cracker Barrel parking lot, laid the seat back, reached back, threw a jacket over my head, and was asleep in seconds. And took a nice 20, 25-minute nap. My sister, who was following me on the live glimpse feed, sent me a text message checking up on me. She's, and that's what woke me up. And she's like, are you okay? You're not moving? You're in a wreck? Did you die? You know, what happened? And so I was like, no, it's good, it's good. If it wasn't for a text message, I might have slept another hour. Who knows? But I woke me up, told her I was good, got up, woke up. I feel pretty good. It was the nap was just enough to reset my brain. And I drove the rest of the way to Jacksonville another, what, 10 hours. And that was it. The the art of the cannonball power nap. Uh, Irwin Cannonball Baker from whom we get the name Cannonball, and the, the guy who started all of this. Uh, he set 143 different endurance driving records over the course of his career. His fastest time ever was 53 hours and change uh, across the country. Solo-ish with a support crew. Yeah. Uh, but he took, I think, a 30-minute power yeah. nap in, yeah. in that whole ordeal. So, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. And you guys as co-drivers, you know, when you... You know, not spotting. You lean over, you take a short nap, and yeah. it resets you. I don't know about that. So I think I it slept. Doesn't I it slept. Mark? I slept five <laughs> minutes on the twenty-five thirty-nine run. Uh, I slept probably half an hour on the first one, just because we got stuck behind a cop, and like I could, there was nothing to do. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't. I don't know that I really would have fallen asleep. So. Well, awesome. Thank you, Jay, for joining well, us. Thank you for having uh, me. Pleasure to have you on. And uh, it, the time has come now in our show for the plop, plops, the plops and props. 
Brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast's dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. I'm kidding. I'll store anybody's cars as long as they pay the service bill, storage bill. Check out our hand-picked inventory at switchcars.com. Our pick of the week from Switch Cars Inventory is... I didn't even pick one this week. So you can pick yours at switchcars.com. And if you mention SwitchCast, you get $1,000 off whatever you choose. Uh, the flop of the week. The new electric Ford Lightning, which everybody is raving about. It costs ninety grand before markup, which baffles me because I thought EVs were supposed to be affordable, right? This is this is the new technology, uh, and they're going for like forty, fifty, sixty grand over sticker. So you're looking at a hundred fifty thousand dollar pickup truck, but it only gets sixty two miles of range when towing at full capacity. Sixty two miles. So basically a pickup truck that can't do pickup truck things. So this is a useless utility vehicle unless you're buying it as a virtue signal. It can't even make it through one workday without taking breaks to recharge. It must be union. Where's your drum Where's set? Where's my drum set? Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, a truck that can't do truck things. And somebody responded to me on one of my comments and said, you know, who uses a truck to be a truck anymore? I'm like, it's not fine. Okay, people buy G63s as, like, urban warriors or whatever. They're status symbols. But golly, if you're then just don't make it a truck. Make it a sports car. Like, if it's a truck, it's got to do truck things. I mean, you can't put a two by four in the back of a hundred fifty thousand dollar truck you can't scratch it so uh the prop of the week goes to the twinsburg police department uh some guys decided to rip an atm out of the ground at the local chase bank at like five in the morning and uh, they did this on one side of the Twinsburg Square, and the Twinsburg police were quick on the scene, and they stopped him at the other side of the Twinsburg Square. So it was like a, a quarter of a mile away from their theft of the ATM. It's got to be the shortest police chase ever. So that's pretty awesome, especially considering they only have one officer in the entire department that's trained to do pit maneuvers. So... Uh, I learned after writing this prop of the week that apparently they chased him like halfway across town and then stopped him at the square less than a quarter of a mile from where he started. So it wasn't the shortest police chase ever, but I don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. So we're just going to say that it was the shortest police chase ever. Anyway, I'm glad that they stopped him and that, uh, yeah, Chase gets to keep their loot. Uh, yeah. So, Jay, thank you again for being on. Uh, if people want to follow your shenanigans in your hybrid, where can they do this? Uh, Instagram, uh, Gonzo Prius. One word, G-O-N-Z-O Prius. All right. Hit up Jay, Gonzo Prius on Instagram. Do you have any more plans for a future cannonball? Mm, no comment. No comment. Stay tuned. No comment. Stay tuned. <laughs> You'll find out after You'll the fact. You'll find out after the fact, correct. <laughs> well, thank you, Jay, for being on. Thank you again, as always, to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Celebrity Machines, Switch Cars, 
Stephen Holm Woodworking, who made us this amazing podcast table, and Nathan's Detailing. Thank you to our producer and call screener, Ethan Huffnagel. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m., and we'll look forward to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life.